Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Good afternoon, folks. It is 1 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon. It is, well, let's see, the 28th of March, 2020, and you are listening to another episode of Beyond Clean with Ace. We broadcast here on Podbean Live every afternoon for, well, at least the foreseeable future due to the, well, all of the issues that is going on in the world and in the cleaning industry today. It's just something we want to talk about every afternoon. So here we are live again. And I'm hoping that somebody joins me, but you know what? It's a Saturday afternoon, and although most people right now that's probably listening has been in, well, quarantine, lockdown, seclusion, whatever you want to call it, most people, I'm going to say, if you are in a weather where you can, you're probably uh, outside uh, sitting on the front porch or doing something Oh, oh, wait a minute. Hold it. You got to manage your social distance. I know that. So for us down here in Florida, it's a nice, bright, sunny Saturday afternoon and we can't go to the beach. We can't go to the pool. We can ride our bicycle if we make sure that somebody is six feet away from us. You know, so, you know, I I got to thinking about this. If you're on the bicycle path or the walking path and you're you're riding i mean normally i'm more than six feet from somebody i might pass them and be within two feet of them but you know although i i have to say i've been on the bicycle path many times and there's so many people and bikes that you know how how do you really do social distancing of six feet or more and I, i don't know where we came up with the fictitious number if somebody does please tell me where did we come up with six feet um, here's the thing, everybody talks about coughing and sneezing, and this is to uh, help us keep down the cross-contamination, or if you will, the spread of COVID-19 right now. But, you know, one of the things that I teach in class, and we will be talking about this thir- coming Thursday in the uh, infection prevention class, is... A cough and a sneeze carries small infectious droplets 160 feet. A, you know, the large droplets can go from three to five feet, but the small infectious droplets, which is what a virus is, is a small infectious droplet, can go 160 feet. So, you know, if I don't know where we got six feet from. Why this magical number? Uh, probably you, as lo- I know I, as long as everybody else, uh, we've been to 
a grocery store, a gas station. Um, oh, don't forget the liquor store. You know, all of these places that are essential to our, well, sustaining life right now. And you got the tape on the floor, you know, so every six feet. So I, I did have some people that had called this week um, wanting to know about the class that's coming up on the 31st. We have a job bidding class that's uh, coming up. And they were saying, are, are you going to actually teach the class? I said, sure. Well, we're going to do it through remote learning. But I also was thinking, you know, we have a, a very large classroom, about 1,800 square feet uh, here in Orlando. And we have a round, uh, a fair, an oblong conference table. And if there was three people sitting at the table, you would be six feet apart from each other or close. Um, but we're going to be telecasting that on Zoom. And you probably mind now this week heard a lot about Zoom. So, yes, we've been doing uh, telecasting or simulcasting or streaming or remote learning, however you want to say it. We've been doing this for a couple of years on Zoom platform. We conduct live classes. So, you know, people in this industry are kind of wondering, well, how does that work with a live class um, in, our, in our business? Well, the way it works is... I will instruct the material through the Zoom platform. What does that mean? Well, that means on Zoom, you're going to need, in order to exchange information and talk and, and make it real, you need to have a webcam on your end. So I've got about four TVs that I can hook up in front of me in my studio. And what happens is as you call in or as you connect, if you have a webcam, then I will be able to see you. You'll be able to see me. And so uh, I think we're probably, well, I don't know. We're, we're at least over 15 people. I'm thinking we're closer to 20 by now. And we still got a number of days to go before the class. And I see we just as we're talking, another person signed up. Thank you very much. Uh, especially thank you for anybody that's listening that has signed up for the class or any of the classes here at the Academy, we wanna say thank you uh, right now. But the way we do this is I'll instruct some material and then I'll probably do a little bit of a hands-on demonstration. Now with infection prevention, there's not even, even in a live class, there's not a lot of hands-on stuff other than we do let you use a few tools. But you know, most of this is theory, uh, most of this is you have to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And so you might have noticed on our podcast today, we have a picture of uh, five people from a healthcare industry that uh, took a course with us and they're proudly displaying their certificate. And I think this is one of the things that I get asked, if I attend this live remote class, will I get a certificate? Well, you don't get a certificate for attending the class you get a certificate for passing the exams that are in the class. So the question was then, well, are the is the exam after or how do I take the exam? To answer your question, the exam is done right when we instruct the class. We will take several different exams during the afternoon. Now this particular class we've set up to work from 11 a.m. Eastern time until 
5 p.m. Eastern time. And the reason we did this is to accommodate those folks on the West Coast of the U.S. to be able to join and not have to get up at 4 a.m. Um, the other thing is, is we probably will go through this class without much of a, a what we normally would say a lunch break. We'll probably take several different breaks as we go through the afternoon. Some questions have been asked about that as well. Um, so by and large, it's as close to you being in the classroom with me as we can. If you have a webcam, you are going to be able to talk with me. I can talk with you. Here's our only challenge. The more people that we get, the more that we're going to have to be, um, well, cognizant of other people and of, of not stepping on them. So we don't want five people trying to talk all at the same time. And this is the same decorum that we have in a classroom if you're there live with me uh, in person. You're going to be live, but you're not in person in the room with me. So I think that a number of people are, are finding out what remote learning and the cleaning industry is all about. They haven't done that before, so they're still curious as to how that will work. Uh, getting on the Zoom platform is very easy. You just simply join the session. There's a nine-digit code number that you will have. You simply join in. Zoom is a free platform. It doesn't cost you anything to have it. Um, we do this uh, quite often. So for those folks that are listening that may be on that, uh, you, you might want to get Zoom loaded on your computer ahead of time. And then that way it makes it easy for you to, to jump on. Now, also what I'd like to do this afternoon is say, hey, I don't want to spend every afternoon talking to myself. And yesterday, Joel Craddock uh, from up in New York was online with us. And although the connection wasn't the best, I think that uh, there's some good information. Joel happens to be a master trainer with ISSA, and he also started his own cleaning service about uh, seven, eight years ago. So from a, vo a point of view, yesterday for him was talking as uh, not only a trainer, but also as an employer of frontline workers that are fighting this battle against the invisible enemy that we now are aware of. So there's been a number of questions that have come through over the week. I'm just going to spend some time this afternoon um, because I, I kind of doubt that anybody's going to spend their time coming on live with me. If you do, that's great. Uh, oh, also, before I get into this, uh, if everything works out, Mo uh, Bashar out of a, uh, a service out in Kansas City has uh, talked with me, and he's going to try to be here with us uh, tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I don't know if he'll make it or not. He's a contractor. He's under the gun with everybody doing stuff just the same as probably most everybody else. I talked with another person in the uh, speaking and training arena, and she says she's working about 15 hours a day now putting different things together and doing some remotes just like what we're talking about this afternoon. For us in the cleaning industry, as Joel said yesterday, I, he, he said, I kind of hate to say this, but we could not have scripted this better. We need to think about the fact that, you know, the, the cleaning industry has been for a long time trying to talk to people and get them to be aware of the importance of what we do. 
one of the things that Joel pointed out yesterday was the frequencies. He's already had contracts come to him and want to increase their frequencies of doing their cleaning uh, tasks. And, uh, you know, this is something that I think will continue. I hope that it stays long after our crisis uh, right now has passed. And I think that also leads to some of the questions that uh, we've been getting. You know, I got a, a message here. Uh, this one person said, are we disinfecting too much? I'm not sure what too much is. I think what they're trying to say, are we worried about too many things? Are we, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the context of the question was. I don't think that we've been disinfecting by and large. And, and I know that there's people listening to this probably going to say, oh, yeah, we're disinfecting. No, you're using a disinfectant. But in practicality, you've just been cleaning. And, and Joel and I talked about this as well as uh, Graham when he was earlier um, on the cast uh, on Monday, I believe it was. Cleaning is important, but understand what cleaning is. Cleaning and disinfection are two different things, and they have to be done together in order for proper disinfection to happen. And I know you're probably saying, oh, well, I've got a one-step disinfectant, cleaner disinfectant. I think if you'll read the label uh, completely, you'll find that it even says on a pre-clean surface and that you can use the cleaner disinfectant to do both steps. That doesn't mean you clean and disinfect in one step. And I know that someone that I was talking off air uh, this week kind of got into a little bit of a, well, let's, should I say a heated discussion with me on that topic. And it was, it says it's a cleaner disinfectant. It doesn't say two steps. My point is this. You cannot disinfect when there's visible soil. And he says, oh, there's no visible soil. I said to you. But we're not talking about what you can see. We're talking about what the disinfectant and the microbe is involved with. To a, on a microscopic level, soil that, uh, that is going to consume the available active ingredients in the disinfectant is not uh, uh, visible to your naked eye. You're talking microbes here. We're talking things that have to be looked at under a microscope. So just to look at a surface and say, oh, it's clean, does not mean that it is sufficiently clean for disinfecting. To the level, and this is what Daryl and I talked about during our uh, session, uh, I believe it was Thursday when he jumped on, is we are in a whole different game right now. This is not what you've been doing. And I think this is what we're gonna talk about on Thursday in our infection prevention class. This is moving up a notch. I am not talking to the people that just want to do the least amount of work to say that they did something. I am talking to the people that, if you will, for, well, we talk about rock stars all the time here at the Academy. So what I'm saying this afternoon is if your organization, if you want to be the rock star, if you want your organization, your company, your program to stand out above and beyond everybody else, don't look for the fastest kill time, the minimal amount to do during this time. This is not the time 
it's a shortcut. And this is what's got some of the people in trouble is that they don't know anything other than taking the shortcuts. They don't know what we should be doing when there's a pandemic. Here's the issue. Right now, there's not a lot of people working. We, we are seeing the reports almost every day of a, a, you know, another round of unemployment uh, submissions. When people do start coming back to work, and you're hearing about this right now, there's been enough time now. Some of the folks have went through screening. They're not infected. They're not in an area that there is. They need to go back to work. Or they have um, been cleared, or they have, um, I'm not sure what the word is, they have survived, if you will, and passed on through the virus, and they're not going to be infected anymore. These folks are going to need to come back to work. When they do start doing that is when the services that we provide as a cleaning industry is going to be very viable. And I think uh, one of the questions I got this week was, uh, what happens when we reopen and someone coughs or sneezes or has symptoms? Are we expected to clean and disinfect everything again every time that this happens? And Daryl uh, took that question and we talked about it this week. And I think the, the thing that we're talking about here is, you know, uh, my wife and I was talking about this. You know, during this time, it's springtime in most areas that's uh, listening to me, you're, you're probably getting seasonal allergies. For you to cough or you to sneeze uh, is not a big issue because that's allergies. Now, if you have a fever along with that, now that's a whole nother game. So I think just because someone coughs or sneezes is not the issue. And hopefully folks, by now, and I'm not gonna go through it this afternoon, you have heard the right way to cover and to, to take care of a cough or a sneeze. So you just don't go blowing it all over everybody. You know, like I said, 160 feet, you don't just throw it everybody, all over everybody. On the other hand, as Joel mentioned yesterday, think about your home environment. Whenever you do that at home and you don't cover and you don't do it right, now think about it before you get into your car and take everything from home and put it in your car and then take it to work. So, you know, as Joel said, what he does it every day is when he gets into the car, he wipes down the steering wheel, he wipes his hands, and he's got some wipes. And you know what? My wife brought home some wipes for me the other day for me to put in the car, and I'll be doing exactly the same thing. Now, everybody's going to say, well, what wipes do I use? I can't get disinfectant wipes, folks. You don't have to have a disinfectant wipe. I told you earlier this week on the air, as we're just sitting here on a Saturday afternoon, kind of reviewing the week's worth of conversations, just use baby wipes. Hey, if they're if they're safe enough for baby skin in their most private parts, then, you know, folks, they're good enough for my hands and I can use them continuously all the time. Because when you use a disinfectant wipe, you're not disinfecting. You're just simply wiping the surface clean. So just get some baby wipes and just take care of it. Facial wipes will do the same thing. Uh, you know, I don't know about, you know, those makeup remover wipes, but hey, use something. You're talking about something that you can wipe it, dispose of it, and go on. Think about this as we go into this, this new time 
what can we do? What is what can we control? What's that microclimate that we can control? So I think to the gentleman's uh, issue here, he was very concerned that you know there was going to be some unrealistic expectations of their organization and their programs once that they go back. So some of the things that they're thinking about doing is that they're thinking about looking at what kind of other treatment, uh, surface treatments that can be put on the surfaces that would help. If you were on my broadcast on Monday, you would have heard from Graham Marsh. Uh, he happened to be talking about probiotics. If you've never heard of probiotics in the cleaning industry, it's basically putting down a good flora of bacteria that are beneficial and using the good flora of beneficial bacteria in order to kill the nasties. Because folks have got to understand that there are many more good bacteria than bad bacteria. And so his point of view is once you have done your cleaning, once you have done your disinfecting, then what you do is apply a probiotic to the surface that will then continue to kill the bacterias that come onto that surface by simply overwhelming them, if you will. Uh, more numbers of good stuff and less numbers of bad. I think that we're going to see a lot more of these kind of things. We're going to talk about this uh, some during our class on the second. We are trying to very diligently put as many things into that six-hour class on Thursday, April the 2nd. We're trying to put as many things into that that we can put into it to talk about and cover. This is a huge area. I am absolutely sure that we will not cover every single area that every client that's going to be in that class and on the air with us is going to want to know. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you are one of the ones that uh, is coming to the class, uh, going through the virtual live class with us, please write down your questions now. I will also tell people to always do this. Write down your questions, have them on a sheet of paper, hold them until we pretty much get to the end of the class because what we want to do is we want to make sure we've answered all your questions. If we've answered them in the class, then great. We did it wonderfully. But, you know, I do know that I am not going to have everything in this class that's going to cover every possible scenario that you have. So, you know, there's nothing wrong. This is a learning uh, curve for all of us here at the Academy. We simply put together the best practices we can from all of the areas and all of the disciplines, from all of the vendors and everybody that we can to put together the most robust class for you to cover as much information as possible. I do want to tell you that the class is not product specific. It is actually product agnostic, which means we are not going to promote one product over another unless it's the only product in that category. And there's very few of those to, uh, in our uh, in the cleaning industry today. So, you know, I think that's a few of the questions we've talked about this week. Um, I... Uh, I did have this one is, was where is all the toxic waste going? You know, like the used wipes, the, uh, you know, they're filled with, uh, you know, all of this stuff and the used PPE. I have not been able to get an answer from anyone on this particular subject of, is there a special disposal 
for these. I know that one person was, you know, after we've went into a, a contaminated area where we know there's been an infected patient or a, a individual, and we, we went in with our, if you will, the moon suit. I hate to say it that way, but you all understand what I'm saying. Once that we degown and and put all that in trash, is that considered a biohazard waste? And at this point, from what I have been seen and what I've been told, is that it is not a biohazard waste unless there is body fluid on it. If there is uh, body fluids on it, a visible soil from body fluids, then it is because then it is a contaminated. Otherwise, it was simply on you to protect you from anything that might have been airborne or uh, from a chemical that splashed onto the surface and back onto you. So um, at this point, I would answer that question by saying if it has visible or it has come in contact with body fluid, then it is hazardous waste. Uh, we will talk about in the class uh, the CDC guidelines, uh, also some from WHO and also from the EPA, because you're in, in our environment. We actually work with all of these because uh, we've got food grade stuff, we've got disinfectants that are regulated by uh, the EPA. We have the CDC guidelines. We have information from WHO. So it's a very complex subject when you go to what do we know, what do we not know, what do we put together. I will probably tell you now that it's not going to tell you exactly every single thing to do step by step. There's no possible way to outline every single detail in a, a six-hour general infection prevention course. We will talk about COVID-19, but we will also talk about MRSA. We will talk about norovirus. We will talk about influenza, a little bit about SARS. You know, all of these are the infections. So whenever we talk infection prevention, we're just not talking about one type of either bacteria or virus. Let's see some other things that people have been asking this week. Um, do I need to wear PPE all the time? Well, that's a good question. Uh, do you need to wear PPE all the time? If you've been to any public facility this week, you have probably seen just about every imaginable type of personal protection equipment that we've never seen before. Uh, we have seen face shields, uh, or what I would call sneeze guards, being put up in front of cash registers between the the person touching the keypad on the ATM machine to pay for their groceries. And there's a sneeze guard there. I was at Lowe's uh, picking up some batteries and gosh, here's a sneeze guard. You know, it was even taped to the counter. You know, it's how temporary it is. You wonder, are these devices going to be now standard things. We, we've seen sneeze guards at the smorgasbord or at the salad bar, but are we going to see a whole lot of difference? I think Joel and I yesterday was talking about that fact as well. Are we going to see a new standard operating procedure? Uh, is the new normal going to be vastly different? That's yet to be seen. You're seeing the normal for now is totally different. So you know, my answer to your question, sir, you know, uh, do we all have to wear PPE? That's your own choice.
whenever we're talking what is the responsibility of the employer, we are going to talk about that on Thursday. We will show you the guidelines from a couple of the agencies about what are the considerations that employers have to consider now whenever they're putting their people at risk in these environments. Um, let's see, does, um, okay. So here's one. Uh, if I use a third party cleaner, have you actually read the CDC guidelines? Uh, is a member of the staff have to be certified? Um, and what would be an accurate response to a bloodborne spill? Well, there's a lot of answers to that complicated question because you've covered a whole lot of different things there. A third party cleaner. So what I'm wondering here is I'm wondering if they're trying to say that this cleaner that they're using has to be certified in a certain way. And cleaners by and large are not going to have an EPA registration on it. A cleaner is a cleaner. Um, there has to be some validation as to what's in the product from an SDS standpoint, if you will, safety data sheet. Now, a third-party cleaner certification, I'm thinking what they're asking there is a green certification. And I know that a number of people are, are really concerned, and they should be, that we're now getting ready to go into, oh, let's go back to the, the harshest chemical that we can find in order to clean the surface. And I think that would be an incorrect move because we still need to take care of our frontline worker, our rock stars that are on the front line that are doing these jobs. So my advice is if you possibly can, would be to use a third party certified green product as a cleaner. Now, uh, I believe uh, Daryl and I talked about this. Joel and I, I think, did a little bit. You know, cleaning, I can do that with a high-grade microfiber and water and remove 99% of contaminants that are on the surface. Pre-cleaning doesn't have to have an added chemical. If you're using engineered water, we will talk about this uh, a bit on uh, Thursday. Engineered water, depending on the system, depending on what it is, it's a good substitute. So as far as a cleaner, uh, clean it however you would like. If you need to use and you only have a disinfectant, then fine. Clean with the disinfectant. Now, when you go in to apply the disinfectant, now we're talking a whole different game. Then we do need to be watching our uh, EPA and CDC guidelines I would always advise to the other uh, part of that question, I would always advise, especially during this time, and I believe all three gentlemen this week talked about this at some point, we all agree that certification is something that is extremely necessary during this time. Remember, I'm talking to the people that want to be different, that want to you know, step up and not just the ones that are trying to do it the cheapest and the fastest and just to get the job done and go on. We've been there for too long. That's what's given our industry uh, the bad name and the bad rap that it has been getting. So I would also say, you know, my accurate response to you there would be, yes, certification is necessary. Is it required by anybody? 
I am getting those calls uh, that a certain facility, and so this is where I think we're going to see the end user clients, and this could be uh, the administration of uh, your university, this could be administration of your daycare, uh, it could be the, the doctor's office, the clinic, it could be even an office building. I think you're going to start seeing the uh, request for proposals that are going to start asking for and in order to bid on jobs that you'll be required to have a certificate from a third party organization saying that you're qualified to do this. You know, uh, I think Joel mentioned this yesterday in uh, our broad broadcast. You know, it's interesting how you can clean for health, you can use a disinfectant that kills, but yet a hairdresser has to have a, a license in order to cut hair. Uh, a barber has to have, have a license. A painter has to have a, a license. If you're going to weld, you have to go through an apprenticeship and, and to be a um, certified welder. You know, I, I think this is interesting how we are so important to the survival of the, our communities. As you can see being said right now, we're one of the essential workers. I think this is the big issue that is going to come forth with all of this. So I applaud the people that are coming to us here at the academy signing up for classes. I can tell you we have never seen in all of my time of doing this job, and I've been doing this for over 45 years, I have never seen this many people come and want education and knowledge, and I'm so grateful for it. I say thank you. We have been talking about it for, I know I have been putting these courses together and talking about this for well over two decades. And finally, we've got something that's making people watch and listen and act. And I just hope and I, I, that this is going to continue long after this crisis has come and gone. So, you know what? I've probably sat here for 30 minutes uh, just kind of rattling about what we've done for the week. I don't think I have covered everything that we talked about this week. We have every one of our uh, podcasts are recorded and are here. I will tell you that we're very happy to be sponsored and powered by Jim Supply. They are uh, a janitorial distributor here in the central Florida area. They've got four locations all the way from Orlando, Kissimmee, um, Tampa, and Lakeland. Uh, they have been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930, and I believe that they will tell you, along with probably most every other distributor of goods right now, they have never been so challenged to get product and meet the needs of their clients and are so happy to be able to be able to say that they are improving lives with the cleaning supplies that they provide. So here at the Academy, you know, we have three words that we go by all the time. It's keep it healthy, positive, and proactive. So I'm going to sign off for this afternoon on a Saturday. I will be back with you tomorrow at one o'clock. Hopefully Mo uh, Bashar from uh, Kansas City, another contractor will be able to join me and we'll talk about what the challenges are there in the Kansas City area. But if not, grab a question, come on back with me. I'll see you tomorrow.